the, the type of recommendations about going from level five to level four and level four to level three in two weeks from now doesn't have any scientific basis to it. It's been eight weeks since the beginning of South Africa's national lockdown. And many South Africans have begun to raise concerns around the basis of a lockdown that has taken away many small freedoms that we used to take for granted. This podcast series follows Sunday Times reporter Alex Patrick and senior reporter Graham Hoskin as they track, record and reflect on the real events and people that make up SA's biggest COVID-19 news stories. For Boots on the Ground, behind South Africa's national lockdown, I am Paige Muller. Typically, on Boots on the Ground, we take you to the streets of South Africa to hear from your fellow South Africans firsthand. But today, we will be speaking to experts about their predictions for the future. Unfortunately, those predictions grow ever bleaker as one by one people begin to fall behind. In today's episode, we will be confronted with the facts and figures which are so much more than numbers, but represent the livelihoods of entire households. Alex spoke to some of South Africa's foremost economists, professors and financial thinkers, and the figures they highlight paint a very grim picture. Nicola Viama, Chief Economist at Nedbank, tells us that the impact of COVID-19 is unprecedented because there's never been a financial crisis quite like it. The reality is that it is an extreme situation, it's an unprecedented situation. Um, it is going to dip the South African economy into recession. There's a lot of debate, will it be a V-shaped recession, a W-shaped recession, an L-shaped recession, a U-shaped recession? Um, I think the simple way of putting it, it is just going to be very bad. At this point, you could have really extreme numbers coming through in the second quarter. Uh, you could have declines of over 30% in GDP on a quarter-on-quarter basis. So going through it, you know, literally day by day, just to get a sense of the quantum, because we have nothing to compare it with. This is not the global financial crisis. It's uh, South Africa is not in the same position than we were back then. And also it's a different type of crisis altogether. It has brought economic activity to a dead halt. Um, and so, you know, if we look at that and we assume some kind of recovery in the second half of the year, even if these restrictions are lifted very, very gradually, um, we get to a 7% decline in GDP this year. So that is really very severe stuff. I think the Reserve Bank was at 6%. I've seen some numbers banded out there of minus 9%. It's all very, very possible. Predictions around the decline in GDP growth for South Africa has a tangible impact on our real economy, as was outlined for us by Professor Philip Berger, Professor of Economics at Free State University. If, if you're a company, you will probably try and, and hold on to your to your workforce as long as possible. 
the initial month or so after the lockdown, you know, companies will probably still try. But of course, uh, so, so it might still look mild in the first, and then and then become much uh, much less mild in the second. And you know, and that itself increases at the at, at the faster rate as, as time goes by. So I think um, in the end, the impact will be on uh, unemployment will probably be quite severe. If you look, for instance, in 2009. The economy shrunk by one and a half percent, and we lost, I think, about 850,000 jobs uh, as a result of that. Now we are talking about a much larger shrinkage. You know, so it ranges all the way from six percent to 16, 17 percent. So, so, so uh, in the end, I think the the impact on unemployment uh, it could easily be a million and a half, two million people wow. uh, uh, who lose their jobs. Can we, as a country, afford to lose that many jobs? I I think we can't afford to lose a single job, but 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 it might be what is happening. So um, you know, so I, I, let let me put it to you like this: I think it's highly likely that the unemployment rate will be forty percent plus. Of course, it will take us a while to actually measure the number, you know, because we will you know release these things with a bit of a lag. But um, but but yes, the reality is jobs are being lost and will continue to be lost. Households all over South Africa are trying to weather the storm the best they can, but none of us were prepared for this. More concerning, though, is the fact that South Africa was in financial trouble before lockdown began. And that, as outlined by Davi Roet, an economist at Efficient Group, means that the country may not be able to weather the storm either. Roet explains that the government's noble efforts to distribute stimulus packages may fall short of hitting their mark simply because the country cannot afford the kind of stimulus that we need to keep our economy fighting fit. Although they're talking about the stimulus of 500 billion, it certainly is not a stimulus of 500 billion. You're right, some spending will be reprioritized and there's a 200 billion that will be a guarantee to the banks. That's not a stimulus. The actually, the only real stimulus will probably be in the region of about 200 billion or even less. So that, that's, we can talk about the stimulus, certainly not of 10% of the economy. We're talking about actual stimulus in the region of much less than 5% of the economy. Um, at least it's something, but it's certainly not, not 10% of the economy. And the reason why we can't stimulate the economy more, I mean, the big economies and the healthy economies, they're stimulating 20, 30% of their economies by way of various uh, packages that they've announced. So we can't do that. Because we were in trouble before the, 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 the before before Corona or BC, um, uh, so this is not a real big stimulus. We should be we should have been able to do it. We simply cannot afford it. So how long can individual households and the South African economy at large really hold on? According to Phil Alves, an economist and senior managing consultant at Berkeley Research Group, the situation is urgent. It's hard to um, keep personal issues out of one's impression of this crisis because it's, it's affected us all on every level. And so it's difficult to focus on the economy only, but, but that is ultimately the most important part of the story, the economy and the people who depend upon it. The urgency around relaxing the lockdown, restarting what we can as safely as possible uh, in the real economy is now very high. As is the urgency, I suppose, 
to put cash in the back pockets of people who have lost their livelihoods, potentially lost their jobs, and are now uh, facing difficulty with basic survival. But like most of us, Alves believed that the lockdown severity, timing, rules and regulations were backed by sound scientific thinking provided to government by health experts. I think that the approach is informed by the risk assessment on the health side. So the risk to the population and the risk to the health system of potential scenarios <clears throat> in which different scenarios for the, for the virus spreading as we, as we relax some of the restrictions. I'm not qualified to comment on that. So, so I think that, you know, to the extent that it is informed by people who are worried about that side of the equation, then this is probably the best way to go. However, the biggest news this week is that that may not be the case. A revelation that has many South Africans reeling. I think the hot topic for this week uh, is Glenda Gray. We know Dr. Gray, uh, or we hear about her at the moment, because she's uh, part of the Ministerial Advisory uh, Committee, a group of scientists and specialists who really are there to help the government and the health department decide uh, the way forward in terms of uh, fighting the coronavirus. Glenda Gray is a renowned South African physician and scientist specializing in the care of children and in HIV medicine. She also has a long-standing history for speaking her mind against the government on matters of medical practice. Last week, Gray called out the government yet again, but this time related to their handling of the lockdown. Now she's standing up against the government and really speaking as a member of the MAC committee to say that she disagrees with a lot of the lockdown laws. Last week we wrote about uh, the fact that she actually is not the only member of the committee that disagrees with the laws. And I think the fundamental basis there is that there's strange laws, you know, laws like you can't buy open-toed shoes during winter. Yeah, I mean, many people disagree that it's a bit of a funny law. And, and her whole thing is that there's no scientific basis. But she was really calling for a kind of re-look at lockdown. And she was calling for the end of lockdown. And this is where the controversy came in. Yeah, so the controversy really came in when she mentioned in her first article to News24 that she believes that lockdown should be eradicated completely um, and instead uh, people should really put in place um, interventions like hand washing, wearing masks, physical distancing, stopping gatherings, all of that kind of thing. She was talking about the fact that a lot of the lockdown laws were kind of thumb-sucked. Gray's comments were met with significant backlash as some people have taken issue with some of the points she raised, while others are opposed to her speaking on behalf of the entire Ministerial Advisory Committee. People really believe that as a committee, she, she did not have the right to speak for the entire committee. Um, so, so that is one, one reason that people are really um, disagreeing with her. Although in the article, in the first article published, three other members of the, the committee also agreed with her. 
Um, and in our subsequent article, we spoke to almost all of the, the members and many of them did agree with her. Many of them said that, in fact, what was happening with the committee was that they were only speaking if the government came to them with questions. It wasn't that they were kind of looking at the stats and then suggesting to the government what should be done. It was the other way around. The government was saying, this is what we're going to do. And then if they had further questions, they'd come to the committee. So they were just saying lockdown, all of these rules had nothing to do actually with the MAC. It was government's decision without them. Alex got comment from Professor Shabir Mahdi, Professor of Vaccinology at the Medical Research Council, who also sits with Gray on the Ministerial Advisory Committee. He briefly explains to us how the consulting process has worked. The Ministerial Advisory Committee has got a very specific mandate, and that has been made clear throughout, that the mandate of the Ministerial Advisory Committee is specifically to discuss issues that are submitted to it for consideration. So there's many issues that are, many strategic issues that are planned and undertaken by government, not necessarily discussed by the Ministerial Advisory Committee. In fact, most of the strategic issues are not. What Glenda was really saying is that many of the decisions that are being made around the, about, around the different levels, around what should be allowed in level three, level four, level two, many those decisions are not based on anything which is discussed at a ministerial advisory committee. Professor Mahdi explains that he feels there is a flaw in the approach that the South African government has adopted. If you want for advice to work, and if you want scientists to actually make an informed decision which government should respond to, then you, have a, you shouldn't have a ministerial advisory committee in fact. What you should have is an independent scientific committee. And there's many countries in the world that actually have got an independent scientific committee and they have the discussions and then they propose what government should do. It doesn't work the other way around. It doesn't work with government deciding what needs to be done and then ask the Ministerial Advisory Committee to advise on it after it's already been sort of made public through media. The most important message is that there needs to be an independent and it literally needs to be independent of government. There needs to be a scientific committee that makes these recommendations and then it's for government to implement. And if government uh, decides not to implement, which is, which is its prerogative, then it needs to explain to the nation as to why it doesn't believe that advice that it's getting from the scientific committee is relevant or not. And that is the way Germany works, and that is the way Australia works, and that is the way uh, Sweden works, and there's a whole lot of other countries. I do agree with what you said, and so far as uh, the recommendations that are being made by the National Command Council are certainly nothing that the MEC has ever recommended. So the, the type of recommendations about going from level 5 to level 4 and level 4 to level 3 in two weeks from now doesn't have any scientific basis to it. But if the South African government is not relying on the wisdom of the Ministerial Advisory Committee and the country's top medical professionals, upon what are they basing their lockdown laws and regulations? Despite all the controversy raised around the comments made by Gray, it is this question that struck home for us here at Boots on the Ground. 
with the future of our economy and the livelihoods of millions on the line, how is government making their decisions around lockdown? As regulations shift, confirmed cases spike and deaths do slowly mount, South Africa is finding itself in a very brave new world. Here at Multimedia Live, we can't shake the feeling that whatever choices the country makes today will shape the face of South Africa going forward. We ask our listeners to make responsible decisions moving forward. For Boots on the Ground, behind South Africa's national lockdown, a production of Multimedia Live. I am Paige Muller. You are listening to Boots on the Ground, behind SA's national lockdown. Boots on the Ground is a short podcast series documenting South Africa's national lockdown as a result of the outbreak of COVID-19. Boots on the Ground is a true piece of mobile journalism. All interviews, voices and sound effects have been gathered using nothing but smartphones. Boots on the Ground is a production of Multimedia Live, a division of Arena Holdings. Narration done by Samar Lutuli. Audio gathered by Graham Hoskin and Alex Patrick. Sound design and editing by Paige Muller. Production by Multimedia Head Scott Petersmith. To catch the next episode of Boots on the Ground for free, please subscribe to the podcast on iono.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.